It is <laughs> Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 22 of This Ain't Iowa, volume two. Fucking I. <laughs> long since said that the outtakes of this show are wildly more entertaining than the show itself. This is our third start at this. Um, the, the first two times was uh, because there were, uh, you know, there were some technical issues. First, I sounded terrible. Turns out that the entire eight months we've been doing this reboot together, I've had my microphone backwards. So that's how that started. Then you sounded all weird and fucked up in my headphones. And then we're like, the last thing you said before this third start, you were like, it's fine. We're professionals. We're going to nail it. Lightning in a bottle, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, go. And then I forgot that I was supposed to start the show and I just sat there staring at you. So things are going good. Well, if we were going to compare ourselves to a musical act and a specific album, this recording is our Chinese democracy of Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, sure. Yeah. Okay. And of course- Oh, that one- as we found out last week, it's all the other people in the band, other than Axel, you're clearly Axel, that make Guns N' Roses t- talented. Like, that dude's an asshole, And, yes, he's charismatic, but he's not really the talent. Really, it is Slash, which is me, and all those other dudes that nobody remembers. They're all the other people that are involved in this show. I don't know, because uh, when they got into a fight, Axel just got a guy that he literally named Buckethead, and then he toured and made a bunch of money. So seems like maybe Axel is the, is the catalyst overall, but whatever you want to say, Slash. Uh, I just like that uh, in this scenario, Phobes is like that weird drummer that keeps having like heroin overdoses. All right, Duff. Um, anyway, listen, uh, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Tony, I, first of all, you look like you have ladies world's cup fever. I sure do. I am a person that watches maybe three games of soccer total in a non world cup year. Luckily we have a world cup every two years. So it works out, um, that I get excited and Australia has been in the last, I don't know, 20 years worth of world cup since John Aloisi um, got us through. Um, it's it's exciting to actually have a chance at winning this whole thing. It's something that we don't often get to do as a nation is to win um, a sport that everybody else plays. We tend to stick to sports where it's played by the British and the countries that they conquered. That That's kind of our jam. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, we dominate all- those, but... <laughs> Yeah, against the US. I was, I was going to say, even even amongst the colonialized countries, you're still not crushing it for the most part. <laughs> you, no, you don't we do are. that great. We are. When you, when you look at our numbers, we are crushing it compared to, say, India, who other than winning a couple of uh, World Cups at cricket, there's, there's what, a billion people, and they've won a handful of World Cups uh, in cricket. 
Uh, hey, we were the ones that won the America's Cup and stole it off America for the very first time. So that was back in Talking 1983. About the sailing? Yeah. Sa- sailing? Hey, okay. you don't know I how just... big a deal that was. Our Prime Minister no, tried, to, t- tried to declare a public holiday. This time, if the Matildas do win, there will be a, a public holiday. And boy, are the Conservative pissed about that because, of course, that's going to hurt their overtime pay and overtime loading and they're all going to go bankrupt because of one public holiday. Well, if that happened in America, the conservatives would be uh, very upset as well, but only because uh, you call yourselves the Matildas. And we would never let that shit fly in this country. They would have a man's name, of boats course. or men. Um, <laughs> of listen. Course, of course they would, but I just thought, um, have you looked deep into the Australian squad and to see the makeup? Of it? Did you know? Of course. No, stop it. First of all, of course not, Tony. I haven't thought about the America's Cup once ever. I even watched that uh, that doc uh, about uh, about when uh, Australia first beat the uh, America's Cup, and it was the single dumbest thing I ever watched. <laughs> They're like, look at this. Look at what he had. They kept it secret. They kept the fucking hull or what's it called? The, the thing underneath. The keel. They kept that. They had a secret keel. Oh shit! Is that going to be the whole drama behind this? A mystery keel? Get out of here. Well, no. I was talking about the Matildas, the soccer team, not the America's Cup. Oh, and all right. I don't know. And did you know that the Australian team has the greatest quotient of lesbians ever in a World Cup squad? I assumed that they were all 100%, but you're telling me that that's not the case. Okay. Well, 10 of the 20 squad are out. Okay. And, and then th- there's one with a boyfriend, ten, and then I think and the then other... 10 are in loveless marriages. <laughs> the other nine are in loveless marriages. I, I know how that works. Listen, I, if you grew up like I grew up, you know how this whole thing works. I, um, I, just, I just think there's something to that. America didn't have one starter who was gay. Just saying. That's, that doesn't sound right. I haven't done the research on this, but that seems research. impossible. Do the research. There was not one out American player in this World Cup that started, um, at least in the um, in the game where you got eliminated. What was that, the quarterfinals? Yeah. Okay. I mean, listen, if that's the case, then that's a huge fuck up. I don't know who dropped the ball there. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. But uh, all right. It's uh, fair. Listen, fair enough. There are certain sports where you need to have over fifty percent lesbians to be competitive. It's that and the WNBA and softball. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I'd probably add another half dozen to all of the um, uh, all of the sports. But whatever. It's uh, if if that's if that's accurate, then then no wonder people are incensed. I assume that's what people are mad about. That's why uh, folks that, are upset. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds. It sounds. That's why Donald Trump was so mad. Uh, he uh, he felt like there we weren't woke enough. Um, I, I, I'm okay. surprised he's yeah. got time with all his Rico case and everything going on at the moment. He is popular. <laughs> um, I uh, let let's let's roll in. Best of luck, by the way. I am rooting for the Matildas. So here's uh, here's hoping they uh, they 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 take it home. Con Matildas. Um, what? On the Tillies, we shorten everything. We even shorten our team name to the Tillies. Okay, <laughs> your your country's got uh, a long way to go when it comes to uh, to properly supporting teams. Um, 
I uh, uh, listen. So last week, of course, we had your uh, your beer engine pod partner Griff on. We had some yep. nice uh, nice feedback from Griff's appearance. A lot of people loved the game that he came up with at the end of the show. I actually thought that was super strong as well. I had a uh, I had somebody text me and talk about uh, Griff's uh, deep and uh, and sultry uh, broadcasting voice. Which I, of course, because I put everything in terms of myself, took it as like a personal attack. Oh, I think that, that's uh, fair. I, yeah, I'm sure that's that I have a, like a garbage, whiny voice. Although yep. now that we've got this microphone turned the right way, I'm sure we fixed that problem. <laughs> wow. Um, I, uh, I was happy to have him as well. I thought he did a great job. Uh, I think you have really polished him up. You guys doing your show together? I thought he was super smooth and uh, and and polished, and I thought uh, did an amazing job. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing what you can do shining a turd. I know people say you can't polish Yikes. a turd, but oh boy, no, I didn't I didn't say all that. This is something you can get into in your therapy session tomorrow when you record with him. I am out of that. I'm just trying to give the dude a compliment. He's just come back from Florida. He he won't have time to listen to this show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's funny. So we, we've talked about like a lot of the, uh, the the destruction that TAI caused, but one of the the great things about it is I have made uh, you know some some very strong friendships. You, of course, and uh, and Griff and his wife uh, are are among my best friends as well. I mean, we've uh, we've gone on vacation with them. We hang out with them many like almost every New Year's Eve. We hang out with them, so we've been come really close. And, you know, it's funny, I didn't want to bring this up last week because it would have just been too awkward, but we've really just glossed over the fact that at the very beginning of our friendship, when we were just kind of getting to know each other, on several occasions, I talked about how hot I think his wife is. On the air, like, it's, it exists, it's out there, and we've never really discussed it. Well, I, I didn't know that she was also going to become one of my best friends, and I was, we were going to, like, <laughs> hang out all the time. And well, so now it's just, like, and like when we had, like, everybody knows I said it. <laughs> like, we all hang out a lot. We all know that I said it. Uh, and, uh, and like, to be fair, it's not like it's an insult or anything. Obviously, it's a, it's a compliment. Uh, but at the same time, it's a weird thing to say. About someone who is among now your best friends. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's, you see, know, it's awkward. I, I don't know whether you ever outed yourself you have now, but what you used to always oh, say I did. <laughs> is he was hitting <laughs> well sure above his, his playing weight. Like he was, he was. Yeah, it wasn't, I, I feel like maybe I didn't attack it that way. <laughs> I really feel like it was more of like a personal opinion. I mean, he is, and I know everything about what that's like. I'm certainly not judging. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like I've put it out there in a, in a, in a way that just, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta just sit in the back of everyone's mind. And at some point it'll come out horribly, but so far, like, you know, almost a decade of friendship, we've, uh, we've managed to avoid anything real weird. So I'm, uh, I'm happy for that. This conversation, me really honing in and spending some time on it is probably not going to do it a lot of good. Look, if, if they don't get a chance to listen to this episode, they're coming to Australia later this year. I will play this portion of this show just for Griff and Kelly when we're hanging out. Let's see how uncomfortable it makes both of them. Good. I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that that's what you're rooting for. Just take take more away from me. Hey, um, all right. Come on. You know this show. You know this show. As much good as it brings you, talking about the friendships that you have. It also has a good quotient of evil. 
like when the last time the four of us were hanging out, um, mm. it ended up with the two of us hugging in a bathroom. Crying. Don't forget the part where we were crying together in a bathroom downtown. Uh, that was a, oh no. <laughs> who is this? What are you? I know who this guy is. He's, he's a buddy of mine, but why would he be in this? Hey, what are you doing in here? He's on mute. <laughs> He's just hanging out, creepily breathing you on can, the other end of the line. Hey, if he, if you just want, oh, uh. he, he ducked out. So to to be, no nobody else knows exactly what just happened, but uh, someone just jumped. Uh, a gentleman who I happen to know uh, uh, fairly well, who I've worked with, uh, he uh, he jumped into our uh, he jumped into our chat and just started listening. And I was waiting for him to say something. Uh, we should probably Texting. look into polishing this thing up uh if he wanted to listen live i wouldn't have been mad i will text him yeah um anyway so uh you know it's funny that you should mention the uh the 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 destruction of and uh and all sort of like the uh the craziness that this show brings because last time uh we were on i mentioned tycon and uh how there is a possibility of a 2024 tycon yeah uh, if, if you can uh, get yourself together and then i started to talk about exactly what that might look like um but uh and I have to give credit to uh, to Spoon. A few other people have all kind of put, chimed in with jokes, but Spoon took it seriously, and he tried to outline like what a uh, what an event would look like, uh, you know, with everybody at the ages that they were. And like I said, he took it seriously, and I actually think he had some pretty good stuff. Did you Did you happen to read through that? No, I, I didn't. Um, did you want to give me the cliff notes, the TLDR version, as the kids say? I don't know what that means, but sure, I'll give you the uh, Cliff's notes. I understood. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, he, uh, he, you know, he talked about a lot of the same stuff that we did. You know, uh, having a nice dinner. Uh, he, uh, it's funny because I actually met up with Spoon about a week ago. We met up for breakfast at seven thirty in the morning. We got together for breakfast, and I'm like, "This is Tycon, baby. Yep, this is it. You want, you want like a breakfast? I'll fucking hit an early bird breakfast with you. Get that sunrise special." At the uh, uh, at the um, uh, at the the South Point, like you tell me what you're into, but well, we were kind of chatting about it. Part of Tycon, remember? We did the pepper mill. Um, remember, infamously, somebody um, managed to, uh, and it wasn't Phobes, shortchanged their way out of a breakfast. Uh, we also did um, <laughs> the uh, what was it? The um, that had the ginormous servings. They're everywhere now. Hash house. Oh, uh, hash house. Yeah. Yep. So, Tycon breakfasts have always been a thing, but they normally come after an all-nighter, um, where I think this will actually be the start of a day and towards <laughs> right, the end yeah. of a day all at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's uh, – and so he mentioned some other stuff. He talked about, like, maybe, like, doing a, like, stadium – coming during the football season, doing maybe stadium swim over at the uh, – uh, at the Circa downtown or something like that. Great idea. I talked about dinners, obviously, which we had talked about. Uh, you know, here's here's the other thing, though. Like a poker tournament, I think, obviously, would definitely still stay. That would be one of the, you know, the the, the standing yep. things from uh, the original. But, but we've uh, got to have Kenny manage that. Um, the guy is a professional. He, he, he cut his chops at, um, where was that place? Um, the Narrow Casino. It's now got a different name. Used to be Bill's Gambling Hall. 
might have been Bills at the time, where he ran that room. Oh, the room. Cromwell? You're talking about the yeah. Cromwell? He, yeah. he ran that room. That was kind of his apprenticeship. He now has his own room um, for Sorry for Your Luck. Um, been struggling for numbers of late, but um, does an outstanding job as um, tournament director and poker room manager. Well, I am all for it, although as we discussed, I think last time they were on, let's just, you know, representation matters. If we've learned anything, it's that. And I don't want this thing called the Kenny or the Y2K tournament. If I can keep his name out of his, keep his name out of your mouth and know exactly what to call it. But other than that, uh, I agree with it. Um, here's, here's the great thing though. Uh, I, I, 10 years, 15 years, however long ago we started this, I suffered from a little something known as FOMO. Are you familiar with FOMO, Tony? I believe um, it doesn't mean too long <clears throat> didn't read like TLDR, but I believe it's fear of <clears throat> missing out. You're exactly right. Fear of missing out. So we would have like these designated events, official events, as I called them. I called them official events. Why? Because those are the ones that I was able to attend. So we would have like an opening ceremony on the Thursday night, Wiffleball Friday, Strip Club Friday night, live show Saturday, football Sunday. Those were officially sanctioned events. Can I tell you um, what the officially sanctioned mm -hmm. events actually meant? They were the events sure. Tony was invited to. The other events, Tony <laughs> wasn't invited to those. That's true. Um, but then there would be all this other stuff going on, right? Like some people would get in early, so they would hang out, um, you know, on Wednesday night uh, or, you know, during the day on Thursday when I still had to go to work. They would hang out then, and I was fucking beside myself. I fucking hated it. I'm texting, I'm tweeting, I'm just, I'm very upset that there are things happening and I'm not involved in them. There would be secret dinners where I wouldn't get an invitation. Oh, don't fucking get me started on secret dinners. I was furious. Guess what? 10 years later, I have let it all go, my friends. Do it all. You don't even have to let me know what's happening if you don't want to. I have no fear of missing out. I'm I'm encouraging missing out, quite frankly, on a lot of stuff. If, if, if this sounds boring and you want to hit a titty bar, please hit a titty bar. Get after it. I am off. You want to, you want to play wiffle ball? You nurse your own hammies. I'm not hurting mine. Like, it's it, everything is up for grabs. We can make it whatever you want, uh, and you can do all of those things yourself, and then I'll hit you guys up. We can have some dinners. We can do a show. We'll play some cards. I'm in for those lower impact events. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I can't sit and watch Tony get uh, some, you know, 45-year-old stripper just grinding out his groin for 25 minutes. That's not my life anymore, man. Well, you paid for that 25 minutes. You, you needed to watch Too much. That. <laughs> Too much money. I've, I've never seen anything funnier in my life than you looking, like, locking eyes with me saying, No! Don't give her more money. No. Stop. <laughs> like whatever the opposite of enjoying uh, a woman grinding on you was, uh, she was. Because uh, remember she, she had that, that, she was wearing that dicky thing. Yeah, she was wearing a dicky, which is always a bad sign. When a stripper's wearing a dicky, it's a bad sign. And then, of course, we're just being shitheads about it. We're throwing 20s at her, and we're just like, hit her ass with your claw hand. We're just being terrible people. Uh, listen, it's uh, this ain't 2012 anymore. That shit doesn't fly. Um, anyway, so I would love to hear more people serious 
TyCon events, if we have it. Serious ones only. We get it. We're old. Early bird dinners, going to see the movie Cocoon. We understand what old people jokes are. But I would like to know, like, legitimate, if we were to have a TyCon next year, what do you feel like legitimately uh, events could be? For the aging TAI population. Well, can uh, I, and, pu- uh, I put one out there? Yeah. Well, I want to put so. the sketch out there. Because I always thought a great part of Tycon was <laughs> having a ridiculous bet. It used to be $100. I think we can bump that up to $150. <coughs> and it used to be a board game or Hungry Hungry Hippos. Sure. So I think Hungry Hungry yeah. Hippos, that's too physical for us at our old age. That was a lot. Someone's yep. going to hurt a wrist, yeah. But... I think some sort of ridiculous board game that takes no skill, I think we need to have a big gamble on that. I think the board game tournament needs to be a big part of it and and preferably a board game that can be played in sort of five-minute segments. I always thought that was great. That was always a highlight for me and that is one thing I, I do miss is the ridiculous gambling on a game where no skill is involved. Yeah, that was that was magic. I agree. Those those the, yeah. And now and now everyone's uh, you know ten years older. We got a couple extra bucks. Uh, you know why not up the ante? Let's really make this thing. Uh, let's make it sing. Yep. So yeah, we'll continue talking about it. By the way, nothing nothing set in stone yet. Don't at me asking about it. <laughs> uh, we're just trying to put some things together. Yep. Get get an idea of of what it could be if we decide to do it again. Yeah. Uh, I, be- I I will say this. Like, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. I've been hogging the limelight in, in relative terms. Let's be clear. You're used to speaking 85% of the time on this podcast. I will let you get back to that quote quota. Yeah, I'm going to have to really pick it up here at the end because you have been terrible. Uh, no, I uh, I will say, though, if nothing else, we, we need to get back. I, I do relish the opportunity to get some of those stories back because, I mean, talking about how lives change, I was thinking about this the other day. So I am in line at the pharmacy, all right? This is the kind of stories that you're getting on the volume two. I'm in line at the pharmacy picking dick up pills some blood or pressure meds. Oh, blood pressure. No, I, I thought it was going to be dick arthritis pills come, or dick pills. Thanks, to, thanks to, to Y2K, dick pills just show up at my house <laughs> in amounts that are just not realistic to, to my sex life. But um I'm getting some blood pressure meds and I'm in line. There's a couple people and I hear this voice behind me say, it's a really nice haircut. And I turn around and there's this uh, older Asian man. I'm going to say probably mid seventies, early to mid seventies. Right. And he's really looking at my hair admiringly. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, uh, thanks bud. And he's like, where'd you get that haircut? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Just, great clips, you know, whatever, just the regular chain haircut place. He's like, oh, really? I got a great clips too. Which one do you go to? I'm like, uh, one in, you know, Southern Highlands, I think I went to, to, to get my last haircut. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a little bit too far from me. I go to this one right up here and I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, they just don't do a good job. You know, they around the back and the ears, they just, I feel like they never get it right, but man, they really did a good job on yours. And I'm like, hey, thanks. You know, yeah, well, if you're ever in that area, I guess check them out. It seems like they've really got their shit together. And then I turn back around and I'm like, what is my fucking life right now? <laughs> like, this is, 
Uh, back, uh, t- fucking 15 years ago, the stories used to be, yeah, it was a Tuesday. I went to the library and Troy Bohunk slathered up a stripper with lube and she wrestled another stripper. That also happened on a Wednesday. My Wednesday now is fucking talking to this dude about haircuts for way too long while I wait for the medication that keeps me from stroking out. I really find, though, that that is sort of a midpoint of your roller coaster up and down trajectory. Because you've got to remember when we started this show, what the stories were about was your first day at work, also on a Wednesday, shitting yourself. <laughs> Which I think is, yeah. is, is a lower point than, than talking haircuts with That's a 70 true. year old Asian man. It's just the swings and roundabouts. I'm not sure whether we're on an upslope or a downslope at the moment, but just know this is probably equilibrium. That's true. Yeah, we needed to. I haven't shit myself in a while, so I, silver linings, I guess. Hey, that's not far um, away at your age. No, we're getting there. I uh, oh, all right. I have two other stories that I, I wanted to tell. The first is I get a uh, I get a phone call. I have a uh, I have a, a credit card for my business, right? An American Express card for my business, and I get a a, a phone call. Is it one of those black um, ones? Carbon ones. What? No, it's. <laughs> Platinum, it's fine. Um, so we, uh, <laughs> so I, I get points. I can go to that fancy lounge at the airport. I don't really want to get into it, but I will talk about my credit <laughs> card for another forty minutes. No, uh, anyway. So it's a. Uh, I get a call. It's on a Sunday evening, and they're like, "We have suspected fraud on your Amex card. We want to verify a purchase." And I was like, "Well, I haven't used it in you know several days, so it's probably fraud." But all right, what do you got? And they're like, well, someone just tried to use your card for $250 on plenty of fish, (laughs) which you obviously know what it is. For those of you who might not know, it is a dating app. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, that definitely was not me. I did not use it. And they're like, no problem. We actually declined the charge right away. But, you know, we thought maybe someone had your card number, so we're going to cancel your card, send you a new one, blah, blah, blah. And I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, cool. And, and like, I hung up, and I was just like, first of all, I don't fuck with dating apps, but $250? Like, that seems like, you know, want to know literally the first thought I had? I thought, Bob in Vegas would be furious. $250 on a dating app, $250 for a chance at maybe finding a lady you connect with and who will end up having sex with you. If I told him I paid $250 to a lady that actually had sex with me, he would want the details because I don't think that he would think that I did my due diligence. Well, you didn't. And got the best possible. I, I, I didn't. In this completely imaginary scenario, you're right, I didn't. But uh, my, my point is like, the fact that this person uh, spent $250 just rolling the dice on the, on the off chance that maybe he spends this money and he finds his soulmate is ridiculous. But then I was like, fucking hey, dude, like I kind of felt bad for this person, you know, because uh, like who, who am I to stand in the way of love? Clearly things aren't going great for him. This person committed theft, fraud. And what was the, o- the only thing? It's not like he bought a bunch of other shit. He only did one purchase attempt. And it was to try to upgrade his plenty of fish account to premium or whatever the fucking tier system is over there. Well, I, I, 
why do you need to pay for a dating service? I'm not big into the dating apps and they're not big around here. Um, but do you pay for the likes of your Tinder and your Bumble these days? Like I, I really feel that like dating sites that cost a premium are a real niche industry these days, perhaps even more niche than paying mm-hmm. for porn. Unless you're like a like a due date or a like um, Nazi date. <laughs> or what, date? Well, that's a thing. Um, J date, but the the J does sound for Jew or Jewish. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Nazi date. Well, once again, Tony, you're on the cutting edge of that. So I'll let you uh, you tell me all about Nazi date. Weird that you only came up with those two examples. Well, I was just of premium dating. Yeah, well, I, I I forget what the Nazi one's called, but would it surprise you that it's like a five to one male ratio? Which is no, not, not of to say that not. that's the way Nazis roll because there are plenty of Nazi females. But yeah, you could imagine them trolling the dating websites looking for their ideal candidate. I would be willing to bet there are more male Nazis than female Nazis. I'm just, and again, I don't know that. I haven't done the research, much like the whole lesbian thing. But it it feels wrong. <laughs> It feels like more women have their shit together and are not trolling Nazi websites. That's just that's just my hunch. I don't know. I see plenty of Karen videos out there these days, and I see that's plenty true. of those that aren't even coded anymore. Um, that is just straight up like racist behaviour. So, hey, I, I, maybe they don't need to go on dating websites. Maybe they can find their their fish without having to to trawl into the waters of plenty of fish. Yeah, there are plenty of them. That's what I've learned. Um, all right, one last thing I wanted to uh, talk about. So I have been on this quest since early last year to see all of the bands that I used to listen to in high school, uh, at least the ones that still have living members. And I got a chance to do that uh, a couple of weeks ago when Smashing Pumpkins came to town. You a pumpkin? You a pumpkin head? Uh, that one album that was amazing that had 1979 on it. That was a killer album. Melancholy, yeah, that, yeah. that was great. Uh, uh, so here's here's what's great about it. So, uh, you know, like most people, I have not. First of all, Smashing Pumpkins has uh, has had several different band members, as we kind of joked about on the last episode. <laughs> uh, they uh, they've they've released way more albums than you think they've released. And all of it stems around the fact that Billy Corgan is a fucking maniac. Yes, always has uh, been though. <laughs> yeah, weirdo. Here's here's my favorite story I ever heard about uh, about Billy Corgan. I heard him interviewed once and uh, he was talking about like right when the Smashing Pumpkins were starting to break, right? So early-ish to mid-90s. He had a conversation with somebody who was in the industry and he asked for advice. And this guy told him, the best advice I can give you is when you release these songs, make the, you know, the, um, the author of the songs, uh, the band say smashing pumpkins wrote this song. Don't make yourself the songwriter, make the band, the songwriter. And the reason you want to do that is because, uh, most of the money generated comes from publishing and the publishing goes to the songwriter. And so the songwriter is going to start making significantly more money than the rest of the band. And so if you just make the band the songwriter, you all share the money. 
um, and notoriety and uh, and it becomes more harmonious. You're less <laughs> likely to break up. Uh, so you should really do that. And Billy Corgan heard that and apparently only heard the part where the songwriter makes significantly <laughs> more money. And he instantly said, well, I am definitely not. Yep. Gonna make the band the songwriter. I'm the songwriter. He made all the money and everybody else fucking hated him. And that's exactly what happened. And he loved it that way. And he like it never it never occurred to him at any point that maybe he should have done it the other way. He's like, nope, I nailed it. These people are fucking leeches on my talent. Uh they can stay or leave. I don't care. It's but the, the Robbie uh, Robson way, if anybody knows the band, everybody knows that jacket. Jackass. Yeah, he always had these opinions of himself. I can remember one day he said that he doesn't like mosh pits because he feel like the crowd is using him for their wet dream. Like, who? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that that takes... That's an amazing amount of balls to say a sentence like that. I'm so envious. That's incredible. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, so anyway, so I, uh, but listen, he, he, there's at least a half a dozen songs of Smashing Pumpkins that I really like. And my, yeah, that's about my, my tipping point. If you got more than four songs that I really like, and I know the words do, and you come through my city, yep. I'm gonna go see you. So I go, uh, I want to go see them. Now they're performing on a Friday and a Sunday. Apparently they can't do back-to-back shows. Everyone's in their late 50s, early 60s. They cannot do a Friday, Saturday. I couldn't do the Friday, so I'm like, well, I'm going to do the Sunday. Uh, Because everybody I know is in my general age group, no one wants to go out with me on a Sunday night. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to go by myself. (laughs) And that's what I did. And it was amazing. So I just bought, since it was just me, if if my wife goes, I have to buy seats i have to spend the money get the good seats she's not standing but it was just me so i'm like i'm gonna do general admission and it was great because the whole floor they took all the seats it was at the um this lets you know kind of where they were i think last time they performed they were at the t-mobile arena they were with another band maybe jane's addiction so can i take a guess where they're playing this time were they playing at the uh msg sphere is that where they were playing this time? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, they were playing at the, at South the fucking. No, not that bad. I mean, split the difference. They were at the. Uh, they were at the Cosmo. They were at the Cosmo. So I ended up going. Or so the way it worked is like the show started at eight. Uh, doors opened at seven. I got there at like six because what the fuck? I had nothing going on, right? So I get there at six. I go and I eat something. Uh, like seven ten, I just wander in. Nobody else is there. I wander in. I go to the merch table. I grab a shirt. Uh, I go like grab two uh, hard seltzers from the fucking bar. And it was so funny because the lady at the bar, the bartender, tells me, "You know, you did the right thing coming early because um, a lot of people on Friday night for the first show, you know, they were showing up at like nine nine thirty, thinking like, oh, that's when the show really gets going. No, no, no." There's no opening act. <laughs> they they hit the fucking stage at eight o'clock and they play for like exactly 100 minutes. Oh, That's what she no. told me. A hundred minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like just wandering around fucking by myself. I walked down to general admission because I was so early. I ended up being like now 20 feet from the fucking stage. And I was just standing there. And then, uh, yeah. Fucking A, if like at 8.05, they came out and they started playing. Billy was, 
in this was sort of so it's called the world is a vampire tour so even though they just released an album and normally he's a real cocksucker about playing his old stuff this whole tour was nothing but the old stuff and so he comes out and he's dressed like old Billy Corgan, which is a little bit like Uncle Fester, right? Yep. He's He's got the white makeup on. He's Golf. Of course, he's still bald. Yeah, he's got like the long, uh, he had a goatee for a while. He shaved that shit, put that weird Z thing on his forehead. He's got the long like duster that looks a little bit like a dress. He looks exactly like old Billy Corgan, a little fatter. But otherwise, this motherfucker sounds exactly the same. This is what happens when you're a lunatic. <laughs> He has probably lived the last 30 years of his life where no one was all that interested in Smashing Pumpkins, preparing himself for the big Smashing Pumpkins reunion. His voice sounds great. Uh, like it was it was crazy. Um, they had two of the two other of the original members. The original drummer was there. He apparently has been replaced no less than one dozen times. Yep. <clears throat> I was just reading about how Matt Cameron had to take over from an album who Matt Cameron has been in every band, literally. He's Pearl Jam's drummer and has been for the past 25 years. But, yeah, especially in that, that time in the 90s, he was on every album because, yeah, those bands, the drummer couldn't hold it together. And then, of course, your favourite band member. Darcy. No, Darcy's not in the band anymore. No, uh, uh, yeah, Jimmy. Uh, he he was there, and it was so great because fucking Billy Corgan rules that band with an iron fist. <laughs> like at one point, he first of all, between every song, Billy goes. He takes a drink of water. He has some weird like spray. He's got like fifteen oh, of these weird those. like. He's got these weird throat spray bottles, but he's got them everywhere. Sometimes he walks to the side. Sometimes he walks to the drum kits. Like he's got these little sprays and he sprays his throat. And then he, and at one point, like he was trying to, like one of his guitars was not working. They were trying to start like a song and his guitar wasn't working. And first of all, Billy shot a look at that guitar tech <laughs> that made you know that guy was not going to be employed henceforth. And then he looked at Jimmy and he just pointed at the mic as if to say, you talk to the people. <laughs> well, I figure this out. You do it, Jimmy, or you're off this fucking tour. And Jimmy did not seem super comfortable, like having a conversation <laughs> with the audience. But I have to say it was great. They played every song you wanted to hear. And uh, the last song that they played that you wanted to hear was 1979, right? So everybody's going crazy. And then, and then... Um, Billy's like, hey, you know, I want to play a few songs from the new album as well. And that was my cue to get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, I will say at that point, I realized the one downside of getting there so early and being so close to the stage is while I was just sitting around, like, you know, looking around, uh, a lot of people really packed in behind me. <laughs> and suddenly, like, I couldn't fucking I couldn't get out. So I, uh, I really had to just fucking maneuver my way to the exit. But it worked out great. I didn't have to listen to the new stuff. Heard all my favorite old songs. Uh, and, uh, and then got out before the parking lot situation became too crazy. So long story short, if you get the opportunity to see Smashing Pumpkins in your area, I recommend you do it. Next bands on the horizon for me. Uh, I'm going to go see uh, Counting Crows in okay. October. Yep, love that band. Uh, Weezer is actually performing the night before, Bright but I band. can't. I can't pull. I oh, can't pull it off. I can't. I can't on. do both. I can't do the Friday and the Saturday night. It's well, too much. Well, Saturday night. Clearly, Weezer are the better <laughs> band out of those two. Okay, River Cuomo <laughs> is the world's biggest asshole behind Billy. Co second 
world's biggest asshole. Maybe behind Billy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I learned anything, fucking asshole's super talented. Um, oh, yeah. Look at this show. Uh, but, uh, and then, and then, uh, yes. <laughs> One of the many reasons. Uh, and if you ask me, I'll tell you it's everybody else's fault. Um, much like a Billy Corgan. And then in November, I'm going to go see The Wallflowers. Nice. Jacob Dylan dusting off the vocal cords to play and, one headlight. And and Rafi Jeffrey, who is the it's keyboardist be, for the Foo Fighters. Wonder if he's, he's in still, that band too? Yeah. I had no idea. Not sure him, I'd probably just um, stick with the yeah, I would the probably band. just stick with the, the rock and roll hall of fame Foo Fighters. Would I would probably just stick with that yeah. band. But hey, if he wants to show up, I'm happy to see it. And here's how you know the wallflowers are in demand. They're playing at the stratosphere. Oh, so no. that's a tough break. It's a tough break. Uh, hard times. Falling on hard times. Uh, anyway, all right. I think that is all that I had to share. Well, yeah, I will give you uh, the last few minutes if you'd like to say anything. Well, I was just going to say, we're a short show today because uh, we rehearsed the intro eight different mm-hmm. times. But mm-hmm. I do like a band that knows where they're at. I recently went and saw a band that you've never heard of because they're an Australian band called the Whitlam's. And they had one massive album, and it, it was <clears> massive, 25 years ago, and it was the 25-year anniversary tour of that. You know what they did? They played that album in the order it was on the album, start to finish. Love it. And then they just played a, one song of every other album, and then they had one other famous song, and they played that as their encore, and that was it. They didn't promote their new stuff other than one song. It was great. Um, I love bands that know exactly what part of their career they're in. People are there to see that one album or that one song or those handful of songs and they don't want to hear the new stuff. Um, that must be a hard transition for, for a musician. You as a comedian don't have that luxury of coasting on former sets other than the zipper bit, which is fucking timeless. I haven't done it in a while, but if I could find one of those fucking shirts, I'd dust it off. Uh, no, it's you're 100% right. That, that's the best part about being a musician is if you ever have one hit, that's really all you need to keep showing up somewhere. Someone will yep. pay you to show up I'm sure and Len sing is that still song. touring. Remember the band I'm Len? I'm sure. No. What, who, who are they? Uh, what was their song? Let me look it up. I can remember the film clip. They were going around on scooters. Um and it's funny, like I, I so so what you just described, I actually witnessed last year. The 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 band that first started my my uh, um, trek through listening to all these '90s bands was Spin the Gin Blossoms. Oh. No, I did I did see them as well, but it was Gin Blossoms. They were performing at the Green Valley Ranch outside. We went to see them, uh, and it was the 30th anniversary of their big album. And they played, just like you said it, every single song on that album from one to ten. And then they had two other songs that were like more like minor hits. And then they played those two last songs at the very end. They just played those last two songs (laughs) and then everybody went home and everybody felt great about it. Uh, and they had, and by the way, again, they had other albums. They released some shit in 2006 <laughs> that nobody knew about. They didn't bother you with that. Yep. They're like, hey, Jealousy. Exactly. You got it, buddy. Here we go. So I like bands like that. It's it's kind of, I, and I don't know what's better. Like, I don't know if it's better to have a Billy Corgan who's crazy and under the impression that he is as relevant now 
as he was in 93 and he takes it that seriously. Or if you want someone that's like, fuck it, here's that one song you know, everybody. I realize I've done nothing else with my entire life. And then they just play that song. And you, I don't know what's better, but uh, I, I sure enjoy him either way. Yeah, you have to get to a certain point for that song to become in the zeitgeist. There's only a handful of artists that can tour on that one song. Vanessa Carlton with A Thousand Miles is probably oh, one. Oh, sure. That's a good one. Um, what other ones can you think that can still headline off like one song? There's very few people that are that big. Yeah. Otherwise, you sort of have to, have to put together a show with a whole bunch of albums that you know people didn't actually listen to and have no interest in hearing, or you go the Sean Mullen route and you form yourself a band because uh, he had that one-hit uh, lullaby or rockaby. I forget what it was. Oh, rockaby. That was a good song. It was. But, like, he, there was this warm-up act and it was a big concert. I'll get to the band in a second. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Sean Mullen and I had a one-hit wonder, rockaby. And we're going to play it now as a band. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, you fucking me. And yeah, it was him and he'd formed this new band. And he was the warmer act for the Australian tour of the Dixie Chicks, or the Chicks as they're now called. That's great. That, that, I also think that there's some, like, value in that. Like, yep. you know, last year, last summer I went to see Train, Jewel, and Blues Traveler. And what order did they go up? It would be Train and... I don't. I don't want to. And then Jewel? stop it. You're doing. You're doing this because it was a fucking. It was a whole big issue. My wife is an enormous Jewel fan. Oh, she, she didn't. She couldn't. She, she couldn't get her head around the fact she was the, the middle act. So uh, they had like a, like a they had an opening act that nobody had ever heard of. Then Blues Traveler went up. Then Jewel went up. Then um, uh, whatever. What's the band called? Train. Uh, train, train went up. And. Uh, and my wife could not come to terms with the fact that Train was closing the show and Jewel wasn't. And we heard very little of Train <laughs> because she was so upset about it. But anyway, it was great. We heard all the stuff we wanted to hear. I, I will say this, speaking of, of bands that like know their place and, uh, and it's fun to watch, there's a band, uh, uh, Eve Six, yeah, they were popular in the them. 90s. Yeah, so they, they had one song. It's called Inside Out. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rhyme, but the lack thereof. Yep. Anyway, whatever. You can you can find it. It's 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 a good song. It's really the only song they ever had. They, they had like a, like a not quite as popular follow-up, but whatever. He is a great follow on social media. If, uh, if anyone's looking for somebody on Twitter to follow that's not, you know, spewing weird uh, political stuff, although sometimes he does get political, but Next every Collins. single, every single... One of his posts is like self-deprecating about the band and <laughs> talking about how hard it is to write a second hit song <laughs> and how he's challenging people like Eagle Eye Cherry to a fight <laughs> like other one hit wonders from the 90s. It's so fucking good. And that alone makes me want to go see Eve Six if they ever are uh, on Fremont Street performing for free. Um, uh as you can see, Tony, I pulled a phobes. I forgot to turn the light on, and then all of the sun. I have my windows open, but the sun has gone down, and I am now sitting here alone in the dark with only the the glow from your shiny forehead <laughs> illuminating me. So I think, uh, unless you got anything else, I think we're ready to wrap this well, thing up. I I just wanted to get your thought on a couple of comedians that have 
have taken the shift okay. into broadcasting. Uh, they're mm. now part of a, a network, and I'm actually only going to bring up one name, and I'll I'll see if you can guess who is in his stable and who he's working <clears throat> for right now. Nick DiPolo. <laughs> I knew for some reason I knew you were going to say that. So first of all, let me just say as a kid growing up, like in that comedy boom, late 80s, early 90s, where I was obsessed and watched comedy from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed. Nick DiPaolo was a monster. Like I loved Nick DiPaolo. He was part of that that Boston scene with Lenny Clark and Dennis Leary and Kevin Meany and all of these other comics that I really liked. And I thought he was great. He was really rough around the edges. And and then, you know, he took a pretty interesting turn, um, you know, uh, uh, around 2010, maybe post 9-11. Uh, so earlier than that. But um, it was, uh, and, and listen, I, I've, I feel like there's a point, you know, there's a place for conservative voices in comedy as well. Everyone deserves to be represented, but he seems to have lost a lot of the jokes. <laughs> he used to have jokes. jokes, and now he doesn't have jokes. He has weird rants, and that just doesn't that that particular style doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Uh, if I had to guess where he was these days, well, I'm going to say this. I know Roseanne has a special coming out on. Fox Nation, which I believe is Fox's streaming service. So if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, he's probably somewhere in that area as well. Uh, no, take a step mm. further right. Can you take a step oh, further really? right than Fox? I don't know, that weird Nazi dating place where you hang out? What is it? Uh, Stephen Crowder's network. Don't know whether you're familiar with who Stephen Crowder is. I don't know. I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. He's a right-wing former YouTube figure, now a um, Rumble figure because he got banned mm. off um, off YouTube. But all mm. you need to know is his fellow stable mate they got announced at the same time is one. I'll give you one guess, actually. Right-wing commentator, not as big as Tucker, further right, um, owes quite a bit of money. Oh, Alex Jones. Yes, he is now a stable mate with Alex Jones. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, listen, good for I have long since said that Alex Jones is doing a bit. Like all he needed to do was just become like a like a Phil Hendry for the for the inside radio people who knows who know who that is, that like a like a Rando. I'm sure Rando knows Phil Hendry. Yep. Phil Hendry was a guy that did characters and did all this uh, like uh, you know, crazy outlandish stuff, but acknowledges that it's fake. Though, like the whole time, he he does his own. He interviews people, and he's doing the other person. He's doing an impression uh, of of a crazy person, and he is interviewing himself as this crazy person, and completely acknowledges that the entire show is fake. But not everybody who's listening knows that. And that's why the show is so good. If Alex Jones just did that, I think he'd be brilliant. But he's he can't he can't get there. At some point, uh, people started thinking that he was uh, being serious, and uh, now he's just rolling with it because the money's better. Yep. Um, <laughs> Alex is is in no way he's playing a character. Um, he 
He he is he's like a goldfish for conspiracy theories. He will contradict himself in the same sentence. You people on the beer engine know my love of Alex Jones and how evil that man truly is. Mm. Um, yeah. But what a piece of shit he is, and an entertaining piece of shit he is. Um, it's pretty more right wing as Anna's talented as he is and as entertaining because all we've got now is Jesse Waters and that's kind of sad and depressing. Anyway, I think that's all I've okay. got to say because I've got a show to do tomorrow and that's where I keep my good stuff. So if people want to check that yeah. out, they can check that out on the Beer Engine podcast. You can send us a donation. <laughs> no, I won't do the plugs for that. It, absolutely <laughs> not. Go get yourself some of that Billy Corgan throat spray and, and rest your vocals for tomorrow. Oh, uh, thanks for that, listening, everybody. I, yeah. was, I was thinking yeah. maybe he was doing the, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen, when he got big enough, he had a guitar tune for every song and he changed his guitar every song. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had a throat sure. spray for every song. So as he went <laughs> round. <laughs> some of them he does have to go higher. That's true. Maybe you're right. Um, all right, listen, we appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, hit us up on the Discord, email, socials, whatever you want to do. We're around, easy to find. Uh, we'll be back next week with Phobes. And I'm going to give you a little teaser. Uh, we're uh, Not only are we going to have a Phobes show next week, but uh, we are going to bring in Wooden Spoon Ooh. for a portion of next week's show because we are now closing in on the football season. Um, we ended up getting quite a response for people who wanted to be part of the Circa Millions. And uh, so much so that he was able to fill two five-person teams. So I believe, and I have, by the way, run this through nobody, so maybe I should have a conversation with other people involved, but that's not really been my style no, uh, for the past 20 years. Yeah, uh, I, I think Phobes and I are going to draft our own millions team. So we're going to take everybody who's paid in and wanted to be a part of it, and you are either going to be on Team BMO or Team Phobes, don't bother telling us which team you want to be on because we I, I don't care. <laughs> and if you say you don't want to be on my team, I'm drafting you first. Uh, so um, so that's going to be part of next week's show as well. It's going to be a good show. Uh, I hope you guys tune in to it. Uh, and, uh, and if not, listen, live your own life. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I don't have any FOMO. So do whatever it is that makes you happy. All right, go ahead, Donnie. Man, we've lived a semi-charm life. <laughs> Have you seen that? One of my favorite. No, but boy, listen, there are very few songs about crystal meth, and I plan to uh, really? at least that literal about it. There's actually probably a lot. And now there's that, a whole now band that that named the Crystal Method. Well, I'm not involved. They're from, actually, they're from Las Vegas. I, I know about that band. Uh, anyway, regardless, uh, I will see Third Eye Blind if they come to my town uh, or if they perform at Hootie Fest, which uh, I want to go to next year. More on Hootie Fest on a future episode. Uh, Maybe uh, we could double bill it. I feel like Tycon (laughs) Revival, Hootie Fest, a lot of crossover there. (laughs) Darius Rucker, speak to my people. (laughs) He starts hosting the fourth fourth episode every month is me and Darius (laughs) Rucker. All right, we got to get out of here. Goodbye.